There will be criticisms, but there will be positive vibes. Do me a favor. Look at the calendar. It says June 23rd. Okay? You got time. You've still got time. I'm not going to say this all year. Let's not hit the panic button. We're not near it yet. Plenty of time. Still got an opportunity for a split here today. It's going to be okay. Two really evenly matched teams going at it in this rivalry. It's getting good. Cardinals and Brewers, game three. Let's talk about it. You're locked on. You are locked on Brewers. Your daily Milwaukee Brewers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Good morning. It's Thursday, June 23rd. I'm Dominic Petronio. Thanks for making Locked On Brewers your first listen of the day. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit that subscribe button wherever you may be listening, whatever platform where you're free and available, all over the place, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find Locked On Brewers, your only daily podcast dedicated to the Brewers all season long. We post episodes Monday through Friday right here available First thing in the morning in your feed. I'm the statistician of Valley Sports Wisconsin. You can follow me on Twitter at Dom underscore Catronio. It's in the show notes. I'm not going to make you try to spell Catronio on the first try. Brewers fall yesterday 5-4. to four. And the fan base and a lot of folks around this team are asking the same question. What is going on with the offense? Where is the consistency? Where are the guys that were supposed to be showing up where are they showing up? What's going on? They need to go get somebody. They need to do this. They need to do that. We're going to go through a recap. I'm going to run down why it's not that easy to just go out and grab somebody. I still think they're going to try their best. But I'm going to explain why it may not be happening. And we're going to go through some big numbers and get you ready for Game 4. Brewers going for a split here today once again with the Cardinals. And today, you will not see the Brewers, or excuse me, the Cardinals will will won't see these guys again until after the trade deadline. I, mo- I mentioned this in yesterday's game. So this could be a really, really big finale of this series for both of these teams to say, man, evenly matched so far in the season series to be 6-6 six and six against each other head-to-head. And then the next time you guys meet, it is officially pennant race season because the teams are locked in and you are moving forward to the March. You'll be in the final 50-so-odd games. And you've only got, will only have a handful more games head to head. So, Brewers are going to do everything they can to get a save. The good news is they have their A bullpen available. Thanks to this guy for watching on YouTube. I've just pointed to my whiteboard here. Trevor freaking Kelly. What an outing from that guy. That was incredible. We'll get to that a little bit later, but I wanted to give him a shout out here in the first five minutes of the pod. Five strikeouts in six batters faced. Fired up, fist pumps every single time coming off of the mound. Epic performance for him. Uh, He earned himself a little bit of goodwill there. Loved seeing the emotion from him as well. Let's go through the game recap here right now. And Eric Lauer got the ball. It could not have started much worse for Eric. Giving up a two-run homer to Paul Goldschmidt in the first inning. And nearly giving up back-to-back homers. Remember, Arenado was nearly jammed. It was just barely jammed and flew out to the warning track in left field. So Goldschmidt... His 17th homer of the year. Listen to Paul Goldschmidt's season so far, by the way. It's bonkers. He's hitting 339. He's got a 418 on base, a 623 slugging, still an OPS over 1,000. He got 17 homers, 60 runs batted in. He had 99 runs batted in all of last season. 
He had 31 homers, too. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt is certainly the first-half MVP. He's going to be uh, an all-star, to say the least. He's trying to snag the uh, first-base position away from Freddie Freeman. He's an incredible player, and the Brewers have known this even when he was a Diamondback. So he gets the Brewers, or excuse me, the Cardinals on the board first. Brewers did respond at the bottom of the first inning with a solo homer from Rowdy Telez. Leads me to one of my first big numbers from this. Mentioned this in yesterday's pod as well. The team that scores first is undefeated in this head-to-head series so far this season. How crazy is that? Now 11-0, the team that scores first between the Cardinals and the Brewers wins. That simple. Rain true again yesterday. So the Brewers, let's see if they can score first here in uh, today's game at 1 o'clock against these Cardinals. Good to see Rowdy hit a home run, though. Get back to the recap here. Rowdy's home run was his first in 84 plate appearances. That was a, a career-long drought for him. 20 straight games without a home run for Rowdy. So his solo shot to right barely gets out off of Adam Wainwright. Brewers trailing 2-1. to one. Lauer started to settle in, pitching a lot better, getting a lot of early contact against him. We fast-forward now to the fourth inning. He leads off with Goldschmidt, second A-B against Goldie. Strikes him out swinging. Awesome. Back on track. Then Nolan Arenado manages a double ambushing on the first pitch into left field. Okay, it's fine. He got through Goldschmidt. See what you can do. Yepes, another jam shot single in the shallow center. It drops just in front of Taylor. Arenado had to hold up. You got runners on the corners now for Albert Pujols, who promptly hits a sacrifice fly. So it's now 3-1. to one. Brewers still fighting to come back in this game. Wainwright still on the mound. And Andrew McCutcheon, in the bottom of the fourth inning, hits a ball absolutely torched, 423 feet away for his fifth home run of the season. Andrew McCutcheon has the most played appearances in baseball that's still active against Adam Wainwright in a career. In fact, there's only one player ever that has more played appearances against Adam Wainwright than Andrew McCutcheon, active or not. And it's a Brewer, no shocker. Ryan Braun is uh, the only player with more plate appearances against Adam Wainwright in his career. So Kutch hits the solo homer. It's now 3-2 to two in the bottom of the fourth inning. Lauer manages a shutdown 1-2-3 inning in the top of the fifth. Bottom of the fifth, Wainwright's still out there. Brewers start a rally with a Tyrone Taylor single the other way. That came with two strikes, by the way, with one out. Then Christian Yelich hits this towering fly ball to left that I think Juan Yepes would tell you, and everybody on the Cardinals would tell you, he 100% should have caught. Badly misplays it. Hits off of the wall. Turns into an air quote double for Christian Yelich. Hey, you'll take it. It scored uh, Tyrone Taylor from first base. So now the Brewers have tied it up. 3-3 thanks to a gift from the Cardinals. One of the best defensive teams in baseball. Got to take advantage of it, okay? Urias ends up striking out. Next up was Rowdy Telez. He draws a walk with two outs. So you got runners on first and second for Kutch. Facing Wainwright, the guy he's faced more than anybody in baseball this season. Rips a double down the left field line. Scores Yelich, and the Brewers take the lead. That was the end of the day for Wainwright. He does not factor in the decision in this one. Hunter Renfro ended up grounding out to end the inning. And it leads me to my next big number from this. So that double by Andrew McCutcheon. Not only was it the only run scored for the Brewers not via homer, Monday, it was the two-run homer by Tyrone Taylor. Tuesday, it was the two-run homer from Willie Adamas. Yesterday, to that point, home runs from Telez and McCutcheon. So that was the first run, thanks to a non-home run swing. And it was their first hit with a runner in scoring position. 
That double made it 4-3. to three. The Brewers are 1-for-20 with runners in scoring position in these three games. That's simply not going to fly. I'm going to have more on that coming up in the second segment here in just a second. So the Brewers leading 4-3. to three. You need a shutdown inning from Eric Lauer. He's about to face the meat of the order third time through. Carlson, Goldschmidt, Arenado was not successful. Carlson ends up getting retired, but then a walk to Paul Goldschmidt, which means, oh my goodness, I got to face Arenado with a man aboard, and he homers his 14th of the year, a no-doubter to left, and it gives the Cardinals the lead right back, 5-4, to four, which ended up being the final. The Cardinals' bullpen only faced two over the minimum in this one. They go the final four and a third scoreless, didn't allow a hit over the final four and a third. Two walks, both from Hennessy's Cabrera, but also four strikeouts between Oviedo and Cabrera. Cardinals win. But the Brewers' bullpen kept them in it. Hobie Milner, he strikes out the side in the seventh inning. They try to squeeze one more out of him in the seventh, but he allows two runners aboard with a walk and a hit. Big moment for Trevor Kelly. Wow. Comes in and manages, because they wanted the right-on-right matchup for Kelly to come in for this, facing Goldschmidt and facing Arenado. And I know a lot of folks are probably sitting there thinking, oh, man, this is about to get ugly. Trevor Kelly is in against the best dang hitter in the National League. He makes Goldie look silly. Gets him swinging on a curveball. Edmund ends up stealing a base with Carlson. They timed him out, so now you're thinking, great, do you walk Arenado with two strikes and pull a Tony La Russa? But he got ahead, two strikes on Arenado, ends up popping out to shallow center. Two outs. Oh, my gosh. He might get out of this. Newt Bar comes up. He had come in as a defensive replacement. He strikes out swinging. Kelly's fired up. There's energy in the ballpark again. Heading to the bottom of the eighth. They couldn't answer anything. They grounded into a double play in the bottom of the eighth inning. Then, Kelly has to go back out there for the ninth since the Brewers don't want to burn any of their A arms while trailing. And Kelly strikes out Donovan, strikes out Gorman, strikes out Bader, and there's even more energy all of a sudden. Trevor Kelly, the side-arming journeyman right-hander, Gets the job done. A career-high five strikeouts in six batters faced. Leaves two inherited runners stranded. Epic, epic performance to keep the Brewers in this game. He's been great against righties as of late, too. If you include this game, he faced uh, three more righties uh, as with Arenado, Goldschmidt, and also uh, Bader. So righties over his last four games are just two for 14 against him. He's found something over his last four games facing right-handed hitters. And then in the ninth, Craig Council tried to pull all the strings, brought in pinch hitters and everything. Willie Adamas pinch hit to let off the lead off the inning. He struck out swinging. Kesson Hira ended up grounding out. So there are two outs, nobody on. Caratini draws a great walk on seven pitches. Then Tyrone Taylor gets hit by a pitch. It puts runners on first and second. But Yelich ends up grounding out sharply to second base. You may have seen the screenshot that he grounds out on a pitch right down the middle. And it's going to lead me into the second segment. Timely hitting is absolutely absent right now from the Brewers. Let's take a quick breather. Get ready to look at some numbers here. Before we do that, I want to tell you about our friends at Blue Nile. If you're ready this summer to potentially pop the question, if you're thinking about a milestone moment to celebrate, looking for a piece of fine jewelry can be intimidating. But the folks at Blue Nile want to make it easy for you with the modern convenience of online shopping with their awesome and easy-to-use website at BlueNile.com. They have simple online tools that help you choose the diamond shape, size, clarity, setting style. They've got bench jewelries that will then handcraft 
Her perfect engagement ring in every single one is one of a kind. If you're having trouble choosing, they've got experts on hand to help you figure out what she is going to love via chat or via phone 24-7. Whatever your moment is, make it sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. Nile like the river, B-L-U-E-N-I-L-E.com. Lockdown Brewers listeners are going to get $50 off any purchase of $500 or more. This is a podcast-exclusive offer and it includes engagement rings. Use the code Locked On. That's it. Locked On. All one word. And every order is insured, chips for free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. Timely hitting continues to evade the Brewers right now. And it's been something that we've highlighted a few times so far here on the podcast. Their struggles with runners in scoring position. It's not like they're not getting that many opportunities with runners in scoring position. They're just not cashing them in. As a team, the Brewers are hitting 251 with runners in scoring position, which doesn't sound terrible when you say that out loud. But the total at-bats numbers, 486 at-bats. Of course, you take away the walks when you look at at-bats. 486 at-bats is the second fewest in the National League. It's, it's absolutely uncanny the fact that they're not able to get as many opportunities for runners in scoring position. Cool, they're hitting 251, which is in the middle of the pack of the National League. If they're going to go one for 20 over a three-game series, they can't expect to win many games. They can't live and die solely with the home run if they're not giving themselves opportunities with runners in scoring position. So when folks are critiquing the offense, which is absolutely a fair critique right now, things are not going well for the offense. But let's be honest. It's a simple fix, the timely hitting, getting more opportunities with runners in scoring position and making them count. They're hitting home runs with runners in scoring position. doesn't mean anything if you're not driving them in. When it comes to actual runs batted in with runners in scoring position, the Brewers have 195 runs batted in when you have a runner in scoring position. That is only ahead of the Pirates, the Diamondbacks, and the Cubs. That's where the offense is disappearing. It's not about the offense you know, not hitting enough homers or anything like that, and everyone asking to try to go get a bat, try to go get somebody, you have the personnel to get better performances with runners in scoring position. That's where I'm going to look to the offense here in this middle third of the season to see are they improving with runners in scoring position because if they're not, that's going to be the bane of them here down the stretch. They need to be more productive with runners in scoring position. And another guy that needs to be productive is the man at the top of the order, Christian Yelich. We make a big deal about Christian Yelich. Oh, he's hitting a little better batting in the leadoff spot. He's doing his thing. Here's the thing about batting leadoff. You're getting the most plate appearances of anybody on your team. You're getting the most likelihood of having the most plate appearances. You're only going to lead off an inning probably once the entire game. So everyone talks about, oh, he's going to see a lot of pitch. He's going to do a lot of this. Look, there's going to be at-bats where as you turn to the top of the order, you are relying on that guy at the top to continue offense if the bottom of the order has got things going for you. Yes, he hit a double yesterday. And quite frankly, it should have been caught. But for Yelich right now to continue to hit ground ball after ground ball after ground ball, I am alarmed. I am troubled by the amount of ground balls he is hitting. I have said it over and over on this podcast. 
He's got an over 60% ground ball rate since the cycle. That is not good. <laughs> that is just not good at all. It is not going to cut it. Got six more years of this guy. You got to try to figure out to elevate the ball for him. <clears throat> His season number is about 56% ground ball rate. Last year, it was 54, 54%. In 2020, it was 51%. In his peak year in 2019, it was 43%. <coughs> He's up 12, 13, 14 points on the overall season on the amount of ground balls he's hitting. I don't want to see that from Christian Yelich. Just try to elevate a little bit more, and that sounds so easy sitting here in my podcast studio. I know. If Yelich can find a way to elevate more here in the end of this first half and into the second half, I truly believe he's going to naturally find a lot more success. He's frustrated. You're seeing him slam the helmet, slamming the bats. I like the fire from Yelich. He knows just as well as you do that he's struggling. He's a competitive guy. You just He's at this weird flux right now of what he signed up for. He's in this weird moment of his career that he's only 30 years old. This decline shouldn't be happening right now. Is it health-related? We don't think so this year. He's still hitting balls hard. A lot of them are ground balls, but he's still hitting balls hard. The lack of extra base hits is the big thing that's alarming me right now, too. Uh, I mean, again, at the start of this season, he was one of the best hitters in baseball the first 35 games or so, and he's extremely cooled off since then. So that was uh, really frustrating for that end to just ground out straight to the second baseman to close out the contest. Uh, And and for Eric Lauer, it's been a weird funk for him. Three straight starts allowing multiple homers. He allows five more earned runs. He uh, gets the loss in this one since the Brewers were never able to reclaim the lead. His ERA has swelled to 3.89, and while Brandon Woodruff's on his way back next week, you're not having Freddie Peralta for a while. They can't keep relying on Corbin Burns to be the only stopper in this rotation right now. Eric Lauer is starting to feel the urgency. I liked his postgame comments saying it's just been two or three pitches these last few starts. It just reminds you that baseball makes you want to work a little bit harder when you get beat like that, just a couple of pitches off. And he's going to try to figure this out. The The fastball velocity was back. He was getting to 94 again, which was encouraging to see. He got five more strikeouts. Control was much better, only one walk in this one. But the two home runs on middle-middle pitches against the best hitters in baseball just ain't going to cut it. And the one for 20 with runners in scoring position ain't going to cut it. Let's get you ready for today. Going for the split. And I want to go through a quick thing about an overall soapbox moment about trying to acquire a bat. Before we do that, I'll tell you about AG1. Our partner is something that I've used myself. So many people are using it every day because you can use it for gut health. You can use it for immunity health. You can use it for aging, energy, recovery. All of the things, your nervous system can be found with 75 High-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens thanks to one delicious scoop of AG1. Athletic Greens. You may have seen their ads on Instagram. They're all over the place. It's an easy micro habit to incorporate into your life. It costs you less than $3 a day. It's very, very lifestyle-friendly. Keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, whatever. No GMOs, just one gram of sugar. It's supporting mental clarity and alertness. 
I'm out the door with my water, my AG1, and my coffee. Boom. That's a great start to the day for me. And right now, it is time to reclaim your health and your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop of AG1 into a glass of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. So Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1 with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash MLB network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash MLB network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Positive numbers, Andrew McCutcheon, his last 15 games. He's hitting 358, a 460 on base, a 528 slugging, a 988 OPS. He's got more walks than strikeouts over that time. Uh, I, I'm really loving what I'm seeing from Kutch right now. And obviously yesterday was against a righty and Adam Wainwright. He'll probably get the start here today against Dakota Hudson. 5-3 and three record for Hudson, a 3.31 ERA. He is a ground ball specialist, just like the guy on the other side. Jason Alexander for the Brewers. Off of his first big league win, he's 1-0, a 2.42 ERA. So Kutch has been an encouraging sign. Uh, noted yesterday, I didn't really say this so far in the pod, it was the first day off. Actual day off for Willie Adamas. Of course, he pinch hit later in the game, but Willie, if he has been on the active roster this year, he has played every single game. It was his first day off of the year and also coming off of the ankle and the quad, of course. Council wanted to give him a day, and I criticized Ollie Marmol back in the Cardinals series when they were in St. Louis at the end of May. Like, why are you benching both Goldschmidt and Arenado for a day in a divisional foe? I guess I can give Council a little bit of grief for that benching, but we know how Council feels about giving his guys health and making sure they're available at the end of the year, giving Adamas a day, even though he does want to play every single game, he still got into the contest. I, I kind of flip-flop on it. Let's make sure Adamas is healthy and good to go. I mean, Goldschmidt missed Tuesday's game with his back issue, then he comes back and, and hits a home run in the game yesterday. So maybe he's Adamas is going to go off today again. Uh, so McCutcheon has multiple hits. Yelich gets multiple hits in this one. Urias' eyes cold. His batting average is down to 212. He had three more strikeouts in this one. Jace has cooled off as well. He went 0 for 3. Hira continues to struggle. Uh, his batting average is down to 206, 0 for 4. As I say these numbers, it's not an isolated trend. There are so many players in baseball struggling with hitting right now. League average, again, is just 240 right now. So when you say, oh, let's just go get a guy, let's go find a bat, it's not that simple. It's not like you're going to be able to just grab a guy off a tree and off of a, a tanking team and pull him over. A lot of these teams are understanding that with the expanded playoffs, especially in these next couple of years, the window could actually be a little bit wider than they expect. So they want to hang on to these guys with team control. I look at what the Diamondbacks did this past offseason. They were geniuses in signing Cattell Marte to an extension. Because Cattell Marte would probably be the most wanted commodity right now in all of baseball. Think about, I mean, it can't happen, but think about how perfect of a fit Cattell Marte would have been for these Brewers. He could play second base, and he could play center field, and he can give you a pop, and he's a switch hitter. He would play every day. That is genius by the Diamondbacks to sign him long-term and lock him up and give him plenty of money to make sure he sticks around. Look at Josh Bell, okay? He's about to be a free agent. He's a switch hitter. He's able to play every day. Is there room for him on the Brewers with Rowdy Telez on it right now? You have to decide what you want to do. A straight platoon for a guy that you got with a rental? Is that worth it? 
Nationals know they're going to get a big price out of him. Nelson Cruz has another a uh, couple million dollars attached to his contract. That's not as easy of a sign and uh, a qu- acquisition for the Brewers if you want to add instant power. Andrew Benintendi, due to be a free agent, of course. I've talked about him on this podcast. But he's another corner outfielder, and he struggles against lefties. That's not what the Brewers need right now. Look at Christian Walker with the Diamondbacks, another first baseman. Look at C.J. Crow with the Rockies, another first baseman, but with three more years of team control. There are so many guys like that that have multiple years of team control, which makes the price higher. I've talked about Ramon Laureano in the same regard. And teams are in, in the thought of, well, let's keep them while they're cheap. Prospects are cool, but if the window's going to open the next two years, Mono will hang on to these guys while they're still cheap. It's not going to be easy. All the guys that are pending free agents probably aren't going to end up with the Brewers. I don't see Josh Bell coming here. It'd be great. I don't see that happening. I don't see Ben Benintendi coming here. It's going to have to be a creative move if there is one, but is it worth it to give a big piece of your farm that is already depleted over the last few years? Brewers are in the bottom third of organizational rankings for farm system. You got to reload it somehow. And winning is usually at the expense of your farm system. Brewers are in this sort of seesaw of figuring out, do we go all in this year, even with the pitching health struggles they've had so far? No Ashby right now. Woodruff's back next week if things go well today in Appleton. And then you've still got Freddie Peralta just starting to play catch. He's not even going to come back until August in the best-case scenario. Do you try to throw more of your chips in in a year that you're Pitching your bread and butter is kind of your unknown right now. I know Will Salmon wrote the piece last week with David Stearns asking him what the deadline could look like, saying kind of hedging his bet already, saying there may not be a move. There may not be that big splash like we saw last season with Willie Adamas. I would give them the benefit of the doubt if they go for a deal and it doesn't work out to give the signal that they're trying to improve this team. But as I outlined in the previous segment, they have the means to improve their team right now. It is putting runners in scoring position and cashing them in. It has been the runners in scoring position holding this team back. It's not the homers. It's the strikeouts and the lack of production with runners in scoring position. That's my little soapbox. Thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out. Back right here tomorrow, same time, same place. 1 o'clock first pitch on Valley Sports Wisconsin. If you're not there in person, hope you tune in, and then we get ready for a massive series with the Toronto Blue Jays coming up over the weekend. I'm Dominic Catronio. Hit subscribe if you enjoyed this podcast on YouTube, here on your podcast platform. Follow us on Twitter, at LockedOnBrewers as well. Going for the split today. Everything could feel a whole lot better after a split. We'll see you tomorrow. Until then, keep on swinging. You are Locked On Brewers, your daily Milwaukee Brewers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.